welcome back to another episode of Bits and Bites. Today we have another guest in the gaming industry, uh, Justin from Battlefy. Justin, how about you give yourself a quick introduction about what you do and what Battlefy is about? All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Justin. I'm one of the co-founders and CTO of Battlefy. Uh, Battlefy, we've built a platform for esports, which is competitive video gaming. Uh, basically, you know, kids nowadays, they play video games, they compete, go to play in stadiums, and they win millions of dollars. Um, our platform, our services, our company, uh, we look to power all levels of competition. So you can uh, imagine from like amateur to collegiate, where we, uh, you know, uh, UBC uses us, to kind of the uh, beer leagues, to, you know, semi-professional leagues all the way up to professional leagues. Um, so we work with a lot of like game developers uh, who use us. So Riot Games, uh, we work with them on co collegiate League of Legends. Uh, so that's really fun where uh, college students play uh, in there and are able to win scholarship money. Um, we also work with like EA on uh, Apex Legends and their global series. So all around the world, people can compete and be the best kind of uh, Apex Legends players. Uh, we also work with different brands. Uh, recently, we work. We are working with like the NFL, who oh. wants to kind of, especially in the in the pandemic, wants to. Um, kind of create these events for kids uh, to be able to come on and really interact with the NFL brand, which is exciting. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of community side. Our, our organizers use our platforms and create lots of cool content tournaments. And we also work with the game developers, brands to kind of um, help them uh, get into esports and help them uh, run really successful tournaments of all sizes. Awesome. So for those that might not be, you know, familiar with esports or the gaming industry too much, how exactly does like Battlefy work as a tournament platform? Like, is it like an automated kind of like software where, you know, people can just join in and join their teams or how exactly does it work? Yeah, there's really kind of two sides to it. One, uh, for tournament organizers, what we TOs, uh, they come on and, hey, I want to have uh, run a League of Legends tournament. Um, this Saturday at seven o'clock. And so they're able to go to our website and we, for every game, we have uh, different customizations a little bit, you know, maps and things like that. So they're able to come in and input, um, you know, all the details about the tournament and they can go and now market that page, share on their Facebook groups, uh, Twitter, and people can come and join. So uh, on the player side, uh, when players come in and join those tournaments, we collect the right information. Uh, for example, um, for League of Legends, we can collect their summer name. And with that, we can also grab some of their stats. So, oh. you know, the players know who they're competing against. Uh, then on tournament day, um, we provide uh, organizers more tools, such as, you know, seeding tools. They're able to create brackets, uh, single nation, double nation, all those different kind of uh, co competitive formats. And when they do that, they can put the teams in however the way they want using our tools. And players will get that uh, on our platform. Hey, you're now playing against this team and, and the tournament progresses. And we also have some cool features like uh, 
admin kind of uh, support tool. So when a player runs into trouble, they can open a ticket and the admins can co come on and, and in chat kind of uh, work together to solve whatever issues they have. So we built a lot of tools to, for them to be able to run a great um, seamless tournament experience. Honestly, I wish this existed back when I was at school. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys know, but like at SFU, I ran a gaming club specifically for like PC games. And one of our, um, I guess, like cool stuff that we did was we ran league tournaments as well as like StarCraft or like Dota. And oh my gosh, like trying to organize a tournament from scratch is a lot more difficult than you think. Why are you shouting out all these dead games? <laughs> i'm sorry i'm an old generation gamer i was gonna say like from justin's intro he's like oh kids can join tournaments i'm like no 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 old people join tournaments too they just don't win it, it's cool um we'll actually like there's actually like corporate leagues now um so we actually uh play in some of these corporate leagues and so you know when, when when you get out from school and you have a job and stuff like that it's it's harder to kind of um get in touch stay in touch with people some of these corporate leagues as well it's pretty cool you kind of um it's team building at, at your company and you get to play with other companies around you and really like um well i guess it's team building in some ways when you win sometimes if you lose you you kind of you know shout at each other here and there but it's all good fun yeah i don't know <laughs> when gene and i play games together whether it's team build or team break <laughs> depends on how competitive you are i guess uh i mean we, i uh, sam always mentions how competitive i get with apex or not apex uh valorant so <laughs> i don't think it's i don't think it's just one game <laughs> i think it's game specific uh, uh competitiveness is in uh, <laughs> is, is in your nature right so yeah i mean i'm more interested in, like these like corporate leagues like so i remember you told me a bit about this before but like so are there a lot of actual corporate teams like in vancouver itself or is it kind of like you guys also do like compete against like international like united states corporations or yeah the ones uh we kind of joined um they're north american uh, so, I mean, uh, you may know Day9, right? A uh, big kind of StarCraft uh, streamer. Him and his business partner started it back then oh. with After Hours Gaming League. Um, and it kind of evolved from there. But yeah, there's a bunch of companies, North America. Uh, esports really has no boundaries, right? Which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, you know, we get to play with teams from like Amazon, IBM, Facebook. Um, you know, some of these teams have really... <laughs> interesting team names as well it's like we played against facebook and the name is like ganked by zuck so <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it, it's just fun to kind of hang out and, and chill and talk with people from all different companies yeah no, that's really awesome. crazy that's really yeah. crazy because because like i know like i've played you know a couple sports in the past and 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 like locals who are listening to this episode are gonna gonna recognize some of these names like urban wreck or mm -hmm. or um I six Oh four, if you're into hockey or, or whatever, like those, those leagues, like, you know, a lot, a lot of professionals like go in those leagues. Right. But it totally makes sense. I think you guys have come up at a right time where, where, you know, we grew up as, as gamers, like, like Gene says, the Starcrafts and the Warcrafts and the red alerts. Um, and, and, and now we're growing up and we're like, Oh, where do we go now? <laughs> Oh, it's awesome that there's like a like an online platform community that you know gamers now like they don't have to just like disconnect with just you know 
as they get older, like you can actually play with your coworkers now and stuff. Like that's, I don't know. That's awesome to me. Cause I think, I think one of the growing pains of gamers is that, you know, you have less and less time um, mm-hmm. to spend towards your hobby or your passions. Like I I'm in that boat right now, like trying to find that balance is still spending gaming is a little hard, but I think having corporate teams is fun. I know me and Sam were like talking about all the time, but I don't think we have enough gamers on the team. <laughs> and I know I don't have the patience to probably train someone. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah. gaming is also pretty cool, right? When when yeah. you know you have friends back then, high school, university, you're kind of together. But you know, as you graduate and you life kind of goes on, people move away as well. And one mm-hmm. of the great things about games is that you can just pick up and play with your friends, uh, no matter where there are. Toronto, Seattle, San Fran, wherever you can play together and and compete together again. You know, my my group of high school friends, we play basketball. We could play some video games now that they're in different cities and stuff too. Yeah. So, yeah, gaming gaming really brings people together. Especially um, especially now, right? Like, have you guys like? I think I know the answer to this, but have you guys seen your your platforms like spike up because everybody's at home now? Yeah, I think in the uh, March-April period, we definitely had a big spike. Uh, uh, and, you know, with people staying at home, um, I think, you know, kind of in general, the industry, gaming industry has been doing relatively well, right? Because everyone's kind of indoors. Um, so it's pretty pretty cool that, you know, people are playing more video games, competing, using, using that as a way to kind of cope with, um, you know, the challenges of, of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I think I especially love how the image of gamers kind of changed. Because, like, you know, before, like, early in days, parents would always be like, stop gaming, like, go study. But now it's yeah. like we have parents that encourage their kids to, you know, like the uh, recently Fortnite winners, he was 15 or something 16. really yeah. 16. Yeah. Yeah, one million dollars, like that's insane. Like I I think we had another guest Spiro talking about how gaming for kids is actually a really great educational way of going about it. Like mm-hmm. I remember I did a paper um on you know the violent effects of you know gaming on like in children and um the studies were very outdated, but you know, like those were what you know the studies were about. They thought that video games were bad for children, that there was these um, violent tendencies that would possibly appear from them. But it's really cool to see that narrative change a lot because I think that gaming has a lot of great benefits. So is that kind of, you know, like um, what kind of inspired you then to start a BioFi? Because I'm assuming, you know, you've been in, <laughs> you've been a gamer <laughs> from life. So. Yeah, I, I guess I've always kind of had that entrepreneur spirit. Um, so you know, it was hard kind of working nine to five, I guess, you know, working at a corporate structure, it's, it's different, right? Uh, not mm-hmm. for everybody. Um, so, you know, I, I worked at EA before, um, then kind of started my own uh, startup with my, my co-founder, Jason. Uh, our, our first startup is actually in the kind of the charitable giving space. And, you know, that we learned a lot of lessons that didn't pan out, went back to EA. And I think we, got bored again, uh, you know, corporate <laughs> life. And, and we basically like, hey, well, what else is our interest, right? What, what are we really mm-hmm. kind of uh, passionate about? And turns out we're, we're both really big into gaming. Um, and, you know, uh, I, think, I think the first version of our app, we were looking at like guilds and guild management and stuff like that. So uh, we 
there was there's already a bunch of good tools out there for that um and jason had a bunch of friends in seattle who were running these draft league of legends tournaments so captain's draft you know you have you know uh six or eight captains and they pick from the pool of players and, and they compete on the weekend um and we basically uh, try to improve their lives. Kind of like what you said, right? Like mm -hmm. it takes a lot of effort to run those tournaments. So we built lots of these little tools for them to, you know, register, register the players in, to do the seeding, to the drafting. And that basically allowed them to run two tournaments uh, a week instead of one. And so, you know, that kind of started our uh, little bit snowball different uh, community organizers came out and reached out to us about, hey, we heard you got a tool. Can we use this too? And and kind of started from there. Like one of the the you know nit bits that we always mention every time we we have Jason or Justin on is that Battlefy was the very first launch academy company. Mm -hmm. He was they were the first ones to not just apply but like show up, and they showed up on 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 the Saturday uh, where we weren't open. <laughs> and they, they worked at a launch academy for two days uh, before launch academy actually showed up oh we gotta we gotta get started working so <laughs> we needed some space yeah yeah awesome um yeah like i was just wondering like you know i was assuming there aren't even now i i don't think there's too many uh esports specific companies in vancouver you know i can name a few like gaming stadium battlefy mm -hmm. but you know, we have great gaming company studios, but not things super esports specific, right? What was, you know, um, did you find yourself having, you know, any challenges being one of the earlier esports companies? Because I know esports, you know, started trending more recently, but um, it must have been a little bit more, you know, unknown back then. Yeah. How, how, how old is Lots Academy? Uh, going on about eight years now. Eight years? So I, I guess that would be how old uh, Battlefy is. Um, but <laughs> easy math, man. <laughs> easy math, yeah. Uh, definitely back then, it wasn't as mainstream and well-known. And I think that was, uh, you know, we, we kind of expected, but it, it was kind of unexpected in a way where, you know, a lot of the investors that we talked to um, didn't really know about esports and what it actually is right most of it was was in asia korea and, and stuff back then um but you know when we talked to them they didn't know this was a thing a phenomenon uh and you know we had to describe to them it's like hey look there's like traditional sports with you know sticks and balls but imagine replacing <laughs> that with a keyboard and mouse and you they wear headsets and i think we would show them clips of like uh, IEM back in the days and oh, with the, yeah. with the state, uh, you know, kind of a huge, uh, convention, uh, on the screen. And then we played them video. And, and at the end, you know, these kids were like jumping up and shouting and they were super excited for their team. And once we finished playing that video, you know, the investors jaws were dropped. They're like, this is a thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So nowadays it's, it's a lot easier talking to people. It's, it's, uh, actually quite well known. It's, it's people who I talk to who I don't expect to kind of know. They're like, oh yeah, that thing. Um, so, but back then I think it was, it was quite new and, you know, we were trying to find ways to explain what this could be and what it is. Uh, so that was really fun. What did you think are some of the things that have happened since 2012 that's kind of made this industry progress? Like, were there, 
were there like key points that you can go point out like that that was a moment when now from this point on i can just reference that or or was it different things or different people doing different things uh there's there's a few things i think but um streaming i think is one of those very important ones where it is so much more accessible now with streaming and vods you know you can open up uh twitch and just watch people play games and watch uh kind of videos of people competing um you know you go on youtube and, and gaming videos let's plays and stuff like that it's so accessible so that you know people can just um consume that content really easily right uh you know it's it's like replacing you know traditional tv and stuff like that as as one of the primary forms of entertainment so i think that is has been really important and the other is also uh kind of money going into this ecosystem right with more money everybody's able to do more things and and you know along comes marketing right and more awareness so uh I really think it's it's those kind of two things uh, that's starting to you know propel and everyone's able to see uh, you know this cool thing esports. Yeah, like I think it was really cool, especially when I, this is from years ago, but even then it's still really cool that League of Legends, one of the I think still most popular games out mm-hmm. there, like they hosted the um, LCS uh, tournament in Vancouver, which like you know. It's crazy because, you know, when they, I think it was uh, the Coliseum uh, or Pacific um, Coliseum, yeah. 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 Like, you know, usually you just like look at the Coliseum and you're like, you just go there for like concerts, like big names, like, you know, Beyonce mm-hmm. or like uh, Backstreet Boys. Sorry, I'm going very old school <laughs> yeah, I'm like, This is like a 90s podcast. <laughs> yeah. <or something. laughs> Reminiscent 90s. I, I'm really showing my age here. <laughs> but, you know, like you would just never imagine a stadium full of of you know like a huge age range like young kids to you know early 30s to even like you know older parents that are interested in like supporting their kids passions like it's crazy to see how far esports has come especially in vancouver mm-hmm. yeah one of the longtime league of legends uh, pro players double lift he retired today he announced um but he oh, was really? kind of reminiscing and like Way back then, like season one or two, I think the meme around was like, you know, uh, the championships were held in like Freak's basement, one of the casters and stuff. But <laughs> it's like held in one of those, uh, uh, you know, small spaces, you know, 30 people watching. And, you know, those were like the season one, season two kind of times. And, and you know, it, it gets to be in like stadiums, uh, like like Pacific Coliseum here, I think, and and the World Championships and stuff are in like the Olympic stadiums and like uh, China and in Korea and stuff. So, um, from you know someone's basement to kind of world class stadiums, it's insane. These like ten years, uh, how 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 much change, how much growth there is. It's yeah, kind of sure. like the was, equivalent. Oh yeah. I was wondering if you would find a way to put double lift into this podcast. <laughs> yeah, get a get a shout out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had no idea he retired today, but he had a very long run. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. He's lasted so many seasons. Like, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And like you know, the whole you know starting in like Freak's basement is kind of like the equivalent of you know when you have a startup in the garage and it's a couple of you like working away and <laughs> building up to a large company like amazon or google like it's pretty cool to see that transition into it 
yeah, the esports yeah. journey, right? It, it really is like uh, <laughs> path. It, what what we really believe in as well. It's like the the bottoms up approach a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, working with the community, working with the players, because it's the players who are so passionate that really brought esports to where it is today. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of where we are comes from passionate people who get on camera, you know, do casting and and passionate players who 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 practice play and and that's all they had back then right land parties um and stuff like that so uh you know it is kind of like the the startup journey you're you're in your basement you just got a camera you just got the game and you you go Uh, start from the bottom now we hear (laughs) (laughs) keep keep coming up with those old drops doing a 90s throwback this podcast yeah but but i think it's interesting you mentioned that because you guys like battlefly when you think about it you guys are a startup in an industry that i would argue is is also like like starting up right like especially when you guys started so like what what would you say are some of like the the upsides to to being in something where like literally everybody is young and new and and like a lot of the partners you're working with especially early on are passion projects right they're not corporations like mm-hmm. maybe they are now but like back then you know it's people's basements passionate people like how like what was that experience like both like pros and cons yeah i think it's cool you know that I'm able to work in the gaming industry and, you know, when you're young and you grow up, your parents tell you to not play video <laughs> games and it's not going to help you in life. Well, you know, it kind of is helping me now. Um, so it, it is growing and there's lots of opportunities to kind of, uh, kind of be in the space and just doing something that you're really passionate about uh, for work is, is, is great. You know, there's a lot of, um, cool opportunities yeah, in the space to kind of join. Um, I think it's, you know, the challenges of, of a growing industry as well, though, is that, you know, um, everyone's figuring stuff out. You know, there isn't really much, you know, guidance that you can get. Um, a lot of experimentation, uh, which, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep learning. You gotta keep uh, seeing what works. Um, and you can't kind of rest on your laurels there. Uh, but I think it's also, you know, a really a benefit that we're in a growing industry. It also means that you can make some mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, people are investing dollars and there is a, a growing kind of trajectory for this market where it allows you to kind of experiment a little bit and, and figure out what, what might work and what might not work. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, so like side question, like, do your parents still tell you to stop playing video games nowadays? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's, uh, you know, topics that I've brought up, but yeah, uh, at some point you have to go and quote unquote, get a, get a real job that's, yeah, that's yeah. not just playing games all day. No, but they, they kind of know, um, you know, uh, you know, entrepreneurship startups and, and yeah. things like that. So they are quite proud of uh, what, what I've kind of done. Yeah. Do you think there was a turning point or for you guys specifically, the, the support was always there? Because I know a lot of people's different startup journeys, like it, mm-hmm. it, they, have, they have to convince their family first. Yeah. Parents are always, you know, they, they love you. They always care about you. They want, you know, what's best. And I think, 
you know, when you start out with, you know, kind of no funding, it's always going to be that risk and, and challenge. Um, but I, I think definitely when you are more stable, you get some funding, uh, especially when I was able to start paying myself. Um, that's when, you know, the, the comfort of that idea is a little bit more uh, for, for the parents. And, and so, like, I think kind of tying that over, for other people that are, it could be gaming, but I don't think it's it's specific to that. And I know a lot of people that are listening to this might not necessarily be gamers, so we can expand it beyond that. But but for people trying to join like an industry that that has stigma like gaming, like what should they expect and like what advice would you have for them? Yeah, gaming industry, there's a lot of things that aren't great when you're working in, in the gaming <laughs> industry, I think. But people do because it is such a passion, right? Um, there are a lot of challenges that, uh, you know, people are in the industry are trying to work out. Um, I mean, I started working at EA and in video games. Um, I was lucky to be part of a more central team, testing team. Um, but I kind of work closely with the, the, the games team as well. And, and you can see all the passion that people put into those games. Um, but when you're when you're a big company and you have obligations to meet deadlines, uh, release dates, and those are set in motion, the marketing machine is turning. You have to hit those dates, right? Um, and so there are uh, kind of long hours. Um, there are a lot of work that you kind of put in with you know the crunch. Uh, but you know, I'm hoping it's something that, uh, you know, people keep talking about and keep addressing. Uh, but it is, you know, if you work in gaming, it's a lot about passions. Um, another kind of example, it's like, uh, you know, you, you, you enter the industry as, as testers, right? Uh, that's one of the very common ways. Um, be a QA tester. You can start getting to know different people in the gaming industry and, and move to different departments and stuff. So I know definitely a few people when I was working at EA who started from that path. But you know, it's it's when you're testing, it's not really playing games. You know, it you know people say it's <laughs> oh it's so fun. Yeah. playing the same game all day, right? Yeah, you're like oh you get paid to play video games. It's great. No, but you're literally you know pressing the same buttons you're going through the same menu same motions to try to replicate bugs and and you know for a lot of people it can kind of ruin games in in that way but uh if you're passionate if you want to be in that industry you know it's uh people put a lot of uh effort sweat uh into kind of uh being an industry and and i think that's why it's so cool because of the people so you mentioned, um, <clears throat> sorry, one of the things you mentioned was was the crunch. So for people that aren't familiar with the crunch, like what what is the crunch? Yeah, basically, I think when you, you know, especially when you're uh, kind of launching a game, the last few weeks, right, you're trying to get the game out. It, you know, it has to go gold and ship to the, the printing presses to kind of uh, make the make the copies physical copies um, there's you know day one patches things like that there's a lot of work leading up to to the last minute um, so oftentimes there's more work than you can kind of compete complete in a in a nine to five so uh, people stay around and make sure to kind of complete those tasks uh, you know you can work uh, uh, 
overnight at times. Uh, well, not not overnight. You can work late into the night, and you know uh, sometimes you may work a Saturday as well. Um, so that's kind of the crunch time for uh, in in the gaming industry. There's often you know kind of deadlines, and it's tough. You know, it's it's hard to uh, imagine you know not having that time with you know maybe your loved one and and, and stuff, but. Yeah, like I mentioned, there's a lot of love going into these games. So, like, I know I know there's a, quite a bit of of attention, especially I think the last couple of years about about the crunch and and, and you know the the workplace specifically in gaming. Like, what are what are your kind of thoughts on on like you know should the crunch exist? Um, is it a necessary evil? Are there ways that that you know I guess individuals working in gaming can, can take care of themselves, but also maybe corporately, like how does the structure need to change? Yeah, that's a, it's a loaded question. I know It's a big, (laughs) big topic. I think it's going to take a lot of conversation for, um, you know, the industry to figure out what's the right balance. Uh, You know, I think there are a lot of people who love and are really passionate about games and put in a lot of effort as well um, and wanting to make sure. And you guys know there's a lot of expectations in the gaming community, Mm -hmm. right? There's really high expectations. And when those expectations aren't met, people are, you know, frustrated, very vocal. Um, So, you know, developers uh you know want to meet those expectations so there is a there is a balance i'm hoping that the industry can find but it'll be from uh a lot of conversation and probably a lot with from the players as well right if we really anticipate a game we really love a game we want it to be um really really good we may have to accept that there will be delays mm-hmm and how does that tie into what you guys do at Battlefly? Obviously, I think you're you're more software than building a game, but I mean, it, it is the same industry and culture. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we work with you know the game developers, publishers, and brands, and um, they all have events, right? So these events have marketing behind them, and oftentimes, you know, some of those dates might not be able to be pushed, right? So we really try to come in early in the uh, process of working with our clients and, you know, with our expertise from, you know, technology side or admin side, uh, player operation side, uh, really advise the client of like, here's the timeline you guys should expect to deliver a world-class esports event. So when we're able to come in and really show them the work that goes into uh, what, a great event is uh, oftentimes we can make sure we deliver on time and on quality and you know really figure out uh, you know what the work is that is actually involved mm-hmm. and what what about the culture within like your your own company inside with with you and your team members like is would you say it's more like gaming more like startup or, or like what what did you guys kind of try and pay attention to as you were building out your team well, I think to to be a part of this growing market, this growing ecosystem, like we mentioned a little earlier, right? Um, you're going to have to have a lot of passion about this. Uh, there are times where, you know, things don't go your way or you have to put a lot of effort in and you, you, you're going to kind of feel the stress here and there. 
and it really is a lot of passion for gaming and esports that's carried us kind of through to where we are today. Um, everyone's kind of passions really shows in the effort that everyone puts in. So I think like that is really one of the key things that uh, we do kind of look for. Um, not necessarily you have to be fully like, hey, I'm, I'm a gamer, I understand everything, but looking at somebody's passion, uh, if you can have passion for something outside of gaming even, uh, we can see you apply yourself to our work. Um, and we want to be people first. You know, we want to let people know, hey, this is what it means to work in our industry. This is the kind of work involved. And uh, we, want, we want to take care of the people as much as we can. We're you know, going to do our best, make sure we scope out uh, you know, all our events, all the work, and we're going to you know, communicate very openly, uh, whether internal or kind of to our clients, and you know, set the right expectations, and we will uh, be successful in delivering quality tournaments to the players, which will then reflect really well to the brands and the game developers that we work with. Back to one of the earlier points where you know uh, you mentioned like it's very people focused, and I think we also touched upon the fact that this industry it's very almost like very intertwined with the community as well. There's always mm-hmm. this community pressure to always push out like a great product. Like, do you think that it's one of the reasons why the industry itself has been so fast paced, like at a rapid pace, uh, has been able to grow at such a fast pace compared to maybe other industries that don't have that much of a community push. Like they don't have instant feedback just like the gaming industry does or esports. Cause we have... Um, like, you know, speaking, for example, for our audience, mm-hmm. um, a lot of gaming companies, when they push out a game, they have community forums where a lot of the, uh, companies would actually monitor threads such as like subreddit to see where, um, the critiques are, what the gamers are unhappy about. There's a lot of feedback there that they use. Do you think that, um, that's maybe one of the reasons why this industry has been growing so fast. Do you see it as like a negative thing or a positive thing or double-sided? Yeah, I, I think that's one of the, the key things. Um, I'm lucky to be a tech entrepreneur and, uh, you know, with the web, you know, you can get a lot of feedback really quickly. Uh, and that is kind of the same or even more with gaming, right? Because gamers are so vocal. Um, we are always on Twitter and stuff and we can always see our users leaving feedback for us as a platform, for our community organizers. Uh, so there's a lot of conversation going on. Uh, you know, if if they're constructive conversations, um, that can definitely put stuff off forward. And there's there's definitely a lot of those. Uh, but, you know, because everyone's passionate, there are kind of a lot of trolls online as well. But, um, you know, it is kind of what it is. And, you know, I much prefer to get a lot of feedback and be able to talk to users because that ultimately is uh, how you're able to iterate and really try to hit something good with your audience. And I guess um, this is maybe more for other entrepreneurs or founders themselves. Like, how do you handle such an influx of feedback and critique? I know some people might not be 
as uh, comfortable receiving a huge influx of critique at one time when some product launches? Like, what are some ways that you kind of, um, what's the mentality that you have going in? Well, I think all those critique um, is really to help you, right? I think you got to really think about it that way and consider that everything people say is just something that you can learn. Uh, and, and learning is uh, a big part of being an entrepreneur and, and in our company culture is to, you know, just listen, distill the feedback and, you know, understand like you're, you're going to fail many times before you kind of hit something where it seems like it's a success, right? So uh, if you're not getting the feedback, you're not learning, you're not failing. Uh, and if you don't that do that quick enough, you're not gonna kind of do it fast enough with the money and, and that you have. Mm-hmm. So like, so I'm, I'm firmly of the belief there's, there's, there's different types of like people who fail, right? Like there's, there's people who are good at handling failure, right off the bat and you know they take it in stride they take their learnings and and you know they grow from that and then there's people that are that you know don't like to fail and i, I think a lot of people normally fall into this cap where because failure failure doesn't feel good right like you mm-hmm. you did not succeed like which which one of those would would you consider yourself to be in and and like either way like how how do you you know get better at failure well, I, I think you can only get better at failure by <laughs> failing a lot. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I wouldn't say I handle failure really great. Uh, I am pretty competitive person, you know, through through gaming and stuff as well. And and you know, losing games can really get to me at times. Uh, but you know, it's 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 taking a step back. Even with games, right? I've been playing a lot of League of Legends, trying to hit, uh, you know, gold tier and, and stuff like that. But um, you know, you you want to have a goal, but you know, really analyze what you're not doing right. You know, you can be like, there's this part of of the game that you need to work on, or there's this part of the product that you need to work on, and you know, set a kind of a, a mini goal for yourself there, and then find what the KPI is that you should be measuring and see where you land. And when you land there, you can now go talk to your users. You know, like, hey, these people aren't really receiving the feedback, uh, the product that I, I have very well. And why is that? So you go talk to them and find out the why. I think if you do more of that, it becomes less of like, oh, this is really on me more so like this is kind of a puzzle that you're trying to solve. All right. We're going to wrap this up with some questions that we always ask each of our guests. (laughs) So if you were able to create your dream team for your company, uh, this can be composed of, you know, celebrities, dead historians, um, professional gamers, uh, who would your five be? Or, you know, it could be three or even just one partner that you know will help you drive up the success of Battlefy. And why would you choose them? Oh, this is for the company? Yeah, let's imagine it's for the company or just even like... It just could be any company, any I think. Company. I don't think you need to be Battlefy <laughs> specific. But yeah. if you're going to build a company, what's your dream team? Um, I don't know if there's like... Sp- specific people that I necessarily like like want but 
you know, there are types of people that I think are really crucial in um, in, a, in a startup and in, in companies that are trying to grow. Uh, I, I think those are people that we look for in our uh, kind of core values. You know, there are people who are, you know, kind of have that grit, uh, relentless. Um, and there are people who, you know, always want to be improving, right? Um, the the kind of the values that I talk about, um, it's very, very important. I guess in terms of like that drive and competition kind of tying into esports, the professional gamers actually kind of fit that mold well in, in certain ways, right? They have this drive to to win, you know, let's say worlds, right? And they want to uh, keep improving and they put dedication into it. You know, um, you know, uh, gamers that I, I kind of follow, like like Reckless uh, in the EU LCS, um, you know, the Team Liquid uh, in North America, uh, LCS and stuff like that. Um, they all have that drive and it's very inspiring to kind of follow these professional gamers who are, just like the, the the kind of the traditional sports athletes I kind of look up to, you know, uh, and how much drive they have to win, how much passion, dedication to continue to improve, and you know how much teamwork and, and making sure your people first, and because a lot of it's uh, a lot of these games are team sports too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would say the professional gamers, kind of that I watch and follow, they have a lot of the the values that we look for in the team. Hey, there's a future in professional gaming for all the future parents out there. <laughs> so yeah, you become a professional gamer and then you can work with Justin. <laughs> the Who is your favorite yeah. professional gamer? Just curious. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know if I have one. I mean, Faker uh, is definitely the most well-known League of Legends player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's somewhat so, so dedicated. Um, won a bunch of world titles. Uh really cool to kind of look up to how how much he wants to win um in north america wow turtle is canadian and and he's been a long time gamer adc such a great personality i've been following uh team liquid a lot uh recently and so yeah i, I mean it's it's I, I think people get attached to you know different personalities and different brands and that's mm-hmm. what's really kind of cool about esports you can really like a lot of different people and they're so accessible because they'll in their off time stream on Twitch and yeah. you can really see who they are. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, personally, like I love Piglet or he used to be on Team Liquid, but mm-hmm. he's definitely one of my favorite uh, personalities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a side story there that I don't understand. (laughs) Well, I actually got to meet him when I went down to LA a few times because he's close with one of my um, close friends at TL. So um, great guy. Like he's amazing singer at karaoke. (laughs) Things I did not expect on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, he's he's definitely a character. But yeah. Um, Sam, did you have anything else you wanted to uh, end pop in before we wrap things up here? Nope. I think, I think last thing is for, I think there's going to be a couple of people that, that, that zone in on this podcast. Uh, I think some people want to aspire to, to build a company like Battlefy. Um, some people may think might want to work with Battlefy, right? So, so I guess just to give you the floor, like how, how can people connect you with you and, and, and what's a way that they can get through? 
uh, connect connect Sorry. with you, whether connect it's email me? or Twitter or, or or you know they they want to work for you or whatever. Yeah, I think uh, Twitter is is good. Um, that's always a great way to kind of connect with people. Um, so my handle, I think, is uh, Justin Z Wong. Um, actually, funny story. There's like, there's like, there's a Justin Wong who's the uh, Street Fighter uh, fighting games kind of yeah. like legend, and so a lot of people always get me confused <laughs> with him. Uh, and I think there's also another Justin Wong who used to work at Twitch, um, and so, all in the same industry. Yeah, all in the same industry, so it gets a little confusing. Uh, yeah. All yeah. the Justin Wongs, yeah. Funny enough, I actually know which both <laughs> Justin Wongs are talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, so if you guys want to connect with Justin, um, find him at his Twitter handle, Justin Z. Wong. Not to make be. sure it's the right Justin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, make sure it's the right one. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Justin, for joining us today on this episode. We're really, it was a really amazing talk. I always love talking about gaming. So it's nice to have, you know, someone come in and <laughs> talk about those things. Yeah, same. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. Well, that's it for uh, our episode. We'll hopefully see you guys at our next podcast.